you know that fresh produce is the best produce. That's why at Kroger, we invest in local farmers to bring you seasonal picks that taste fresh from the farm good, like sweet corn, refreshing watermelon, and juicy peaches. So whether you're a delivery lover, a picker-upper, or you shop in-store, your local produce always tastes 100% fresh, or you get a 100% refund guaranteed. Kroger, fresh for everyone. It is our third show in three days. On Sunday night, Rod and I talked the beginning of 49ers free agency, and stuff has happened since then. We may have to get back together before our normal two weeks two weeks uh, uh, podcast. And yesterday, Brad and myself, we talked some World Baseball Classic. USA got back in the game by beating the crap out of Canada. So they are in a good position to advance in the World Baseball Classic. And now the death lineup with Bry. We're going to talk some Warriors basketball. You predicted it, though. Last time we talked, you said they were going to go two and two. And they were going to win the two hard games at home and lose the two easier games on the road. And that's exactly what happened. I feel like I predict like a lot of things. And then when one one of like the five of them goes right, I'm like, yeah, but there's still four <laughs> of them wrong. I think I I think, yeah, that, I remember I remember saying that, though. But I mean, what have what that fits their theme of this season? What else have they told us? You know, they're going to lose their away games. They're going to win their home games and they're going to win the really tough home games against the really good teams for some reason. And have to do it by making crazy comebacks and get a little bit of a, of a benefit of certain players who miss, but then they could probably say, Oh yeah, you know, Giannis missed the game, but guess what? We still don't have Wiggins back. We still don't have Gary Payton. So I think that's stuff. They probably believe that stuff evens out, but that's kind of the NBA in a nutshell. And I don't know how, how much you've been following this, but the collective bargaining agreement stuff where the players association is like, yeah, like, these guys don't want to sit like the teams want them to sit, you know, all this stuff about playing a minimum number of games to reach certain thresholds with awards and MVPs and stuff. It is, it is not a good look for the league. Like now, you know, we can compare it to football, football's King. I don't know how, how many games did Tom Brady play last year? Probably all of them, right? I think he played every single game. So if you're a Bucks fan, you're like, that's my guy. He's there every game. And it's not like that with basketball. You buy a ticket, and there's a good chance that one of your favorite players is not playing. And that's what we did, right? When we went to see Detroit, Steph's not playing. No Wiggins. It was no Cade Cunningham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no Cade Cunningham. Poor Cade Cunningham. He missed almost the whole season. Yeah, he played like five games. But yeah, I mean, that's why I texted... And I, I know there's so many hoops and that you need to get through in order for something like this to ever change, and it probably won't ever change. But that's why, like, I think you got to go 65 to 71 games in that ballpark, get rid of back to backs, and space them out so they're more they're not as common. You know, the regular season can potentially mean more. Um, and I see both sides on which, which is funny, is that like you can't even like completely probably get the players' majority vote behind it either because there's that whole thing where you know. 
in uh, the whole legacy thing where it's like, well, well, Jordan had to, Jordan did 81 and 82. And, and mm-hmm. now, you know, we're not going to go anything less than that. And the owner's like, oh, perfect. Yeah, we'll just, we'll have more, we'll have more games, more home games, more money. Yeah, it's just, I don't know what the answer is. I don't even remember when the slowed management stuff started i feel like it was like maybe a san antonio I feel like it, thing i feel i feel like it was it was the 2017 year when the warriors and the spurs did when they had kd and like steph clay kd and like draymond all sat and like on the spurs side i think Kawhi and lamarcus sat too and there was this fan like a little kid with the with the sign like you know i came to see all my favorite players clearly like you know done behind the scenes by the parents but you know i came to see my favorite players and no one's here and like I, or I drove 2000 miles and no one's here. That's when I first remember starting to see the ramifications and like the fans getting into it. Like, come on, like this is ridiculous type of thing. All right. I don't know if this is true. All I did was do a Google search that said, when did load, load management start in the NBA? It took, me, it took me to a website called Rookie Road. This website is actually very nice. The way that they have it sorted and organized. According to this website, their origin of the term, something's up with my mic, I think, or maybe my headphones. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. The origin of the term load management can be traced back to the 2010s when the San Antonio Spurs would rest their top players. In 2012, (laughs) the Spurs were fined $250,000 for resting four key players during a much-anticipated national televised matchup with the Miami Heat. So 2012 was where this started to be a problem with the NBA and TV and and fan experience. So we're over 10 years in here. Yeah, I think things just get I remember the 2017 one because you know, it's 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 more uh it's more recent yeah. and I feel like it got magnified because that Warrior season was just completely magnified when they got Kevin Durant. They had two of the best five players in the league. When you sit both of them you're going to hear about it. And if I remember correctly, it was either Popovich's reaction to Kerr or Kerr's reaction to Popovich, where one of them was going to sit players, and then the other coach was like, well, if you're going to do it, I'm not going to have all my guys play. And it was one of those like... Yeah, yeah. Things. I didn't like Quinn Cook go off. <laughs> Quinn Cook. <laughs> like someone, someone of the reserves like had like a 30-point game who usually doesn't. I forgot if it was like him or like Jacob Evans or like someone... Who do you like better, Quinn Cook or Ty Jerome? The Ty Jerome. Ah, uh, I like. Ty I think. Jerome I think. Too. I think they could use a Quinn Cook though, because Quinn Cook was just like shot chucking, and you knew like he was gonna, you know, hit a couple. Where Ty Jerome is more of like a in control of the offense, but really, I feel like he misleads us to think he's in control of the offense, and all he is there for is really to get his own bucket. Or was he Katie's friend? Ty Jerome? No, Quinn Cook. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think he was a KD and, and LeBron guy. Okay, is he still in the league? Shouldn't those guys be taking? No, care I think if he last I heard he was Sacramento G League. Oh, okay, that would be amazing if Ty Jerome and KD were buddies. <laughs> I think he just became KD's friend through the team because oh, yeah. Okay. I, uh, all right, let, let's uh, look at some of the latest news that came out over these last couple days. The first one after. He had a reverse, nice little reverse dunk there yesterday. Andre Iguodala out for tomorrow's game against the Clippers, or later today, depending on when you listen to this. And uh, our buddy Ben Cruz uh, 
tweet uh, texted us just just before we went on the air, and he said, uh, "One one eighty dunk, and he's cooked." Shaking my head, and it's it's funny because that's what caused Iguodala to have the second absence. The last time was he went up for a dunk, and he even ET on their podcast was kind of making fun of him. And then Andre said, oh, you know, I'll be fine. Like, this one's not going to be too bad. And then he was gone for like three weeks or something. (laughs) So I hope that one is not like this one. What I hope is that Kerr was like, man, if you just give me these last couple minutes, I'll I'll put you on in your injury report because you're hurting everywhere anyway. So it doesn't really matter. We'll just say that your wrist hurts or something. So that's kind of what I hope is because he does need to get a little bit more of a rhythm with the team because he's replacing, at least as far as I can tell, he's, he's replacing Anthony lamb's minutes, right? It doesn't that what it looks like. Yeah, it does. And I'm, I mean, I'm with you. I think, I think we sometimes joke or, you know, we, we get on him a lot because he's clearly like, if he wasn't, you know, so integrated in the system and, and was so smart as a player, like he would be out of the league, right? Like he's just, physically not there anymore like it feels like he can get blown by at any point he's just really in he's able to stay in front of people because he's smart defensively not necessarily because he still has the, the physical body to do it and you know we, we've we've gotten on him but I, I still think he's important to this team and that's definitely like someone who they want to have I think with the rhythm thing though it's like he's either not shooting it through making it and there's absolutely zero confidence behind a shot right now so that's where i would have wanted to see him get into a rhythm and maybe maybe hit one or two bailouts like one every three games <laughs> but kerr should run a play for him just like he ran the play for clay at the beginning of the game just run a play and go dude you have to shoot this shot if you're open <laughs> i don't see any passing shoot it like you you're confident in shooting and then he, he'll make it and then he'll feel better and i feel like that's what they have to do the um yeah, the the set like it's not sad because players age and he is at 39 or whatever age he is, he is still a much better athlete than any 39-year-olds that I ever saw when I was growing up. Like this dude is still a specimen. But you're right, the lateral quickness doesn't look to be there. And what what I, I may be looking too much into this, but what it looks like is if he misses on his first instinct on the first step, it is just harder for him to recover. And that's why it looks like he's getting blown by. Uh, but still, he's got the long arms. He's got the strips. He's, he's bo- good help side. He's boxing guys out and getting rebounds. And doesn't it seem like more and more uh, as the story goes for the season that probably the only reason that he came back was because Steph asked him to like he's just such a Steph guy and that seems like you know probably the one of the main reasons why he did come back yeah he doesn't hide it either <laughs> <laughs> like even when JJ when JJ told us about his conversation with Iguodala like he brought up Steph and it was just like a full conversation from there like Iguodala could just talk about Steph for so long um but yeah no that makes sense to me like <laughs> I guess the, the, I don't know if he had a sense that this season was going to be a little different in terms of you know, he, he has mentioned on his podcast a couple of times how he feels like we he's he said something along the lines of like we don't foul as much as you know, like the, the foul discrepancy between how we're fouling versus how we're not getting fouling, like that's not real that's not real, like something's going on there. Mm. So yeah. I mean, some of it is I think Jordan Poole probably cries too much to the referees. So their instinct is to just like 
maybe sit on their whistle with him sometimes because he's the only one who really attacks the basket. Steph attacks the basket too, but he's a little bit more crafty in his attacks and, and in his uh, finishes. Steph doesn't also sell contact as naturally. And sometimes he does it so blatantly and they sometimes don't give it to him, even though it is a foul. Like, I think that, I think that this, this, it's kind of like soccer. I've, I've heard this for some reason for so uh, a long time ago and apparently messy. I don't know soccer. So maybe soccer heads are going to Michael miles is going <laughs> to me out here, but apparently Messi used to be this very like guy who would, you know, just play the game and, and he wasn't flopping and, but he always get fouled and he never got the call. And finally he just started flopping is because that's the only way the rest would give them calls. And so that's kind of how I feel like this, Age, this it's probably been like this for a while because I I've, I've heard of the term flopping since I was a child, but it just feels like that's even more of a thing in today's NBA where guys falling forces the referees to make a call and they almost always don't bite the whistle, which is like so frustrating because it feels like a lot of guys get away with so many non-contact things. Like Booker is just trained to do some facial expression on every single drive that makes it look like he got fouled. That's because, and I don't totally blame him. It works. Yeah. And, and he probably does get fouled a, a good amount of it too. But I just think it's, it's just so frustrating that even, you know, players just like falling is it's just like players will fall, take themselves out of the play to force the referee to, 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 to call something. And they won't let it like go through. It's just something I've been totally noticing way more this year. And I don't even remember what we were talking about, but I, that's just <laughs> a rant I had to get off my chest. Uh, so some more news is your boy, Jonathan Kaminga, is coming back, hopefully tomorrow. They so, need him. So the Andre minutes that he's playing right now will probably go back to Kaminga and just hope that uh, his frenetic style of play doesn't cause more injury to his ankle because they do need him they need they need him strong to close out the stretch as they what are they currently in, in fifth right they're they're like it changes every day even when they don't play like i have no clue i think they're fifth uh, as of last night after last night's win i think they went into the fifth slot they're actually they're they're tied with the clippers for fifth and who do they play tomorrow oh the clippers and who are they probably losing to tomorrow? The <laughs> Clippers. Uh, and T-Wolves, one game back. Mavericks, two games back. Lakers, two and a half games back. So are the Pelicans and the Thunder Jazz, three full games back of the Warriors. So uh, still five through 12 within three games. That is not <laughs> crazy. a crazy amount, uh, amount to overcome if you can go on a winning streak. But none of these teams can go on any sort of winning streak. All right, so Kaminga back, like I said, Gary Payton. The word from Warriors PR was that uh, they reevaluated Gary Payton. They say he's beginning to intensify his on-court shooting. Doesn't sound like contact work yet, and will be reevaluated again in 10 days. So in 10 days would be almost you know last week of March. I don't imagine he'll be back then, but they may go. He'll be back in a week, and that would put it right at the beginning of April, which is, I think, what they said when uh, when they traded for him and found out that he was still hurt was beginning of April. So that would put them another two weeks. You're you're talking about um, how you know how many games are left in the season by then? Not many. 
beginning of April. I think the I think playoffs start April 9th. Yeah, they would have like four games. They have four games in April to end the season. Yeah. Those would so. be very important games with in terms of trying to get a seed as well as integrating GP back into their system, which probably won't take that long, but um you know, he needs to get back to game speed in general. What do you think about uh, Steph's movie? Or is it going to interfere with the Warriors' playoff run here? Okay, yeah. Wait, wait. Well, you said something. Oh, those tickets were today, huh? Did you not get them? I forgot about it. What, so what? What was the story? I know he. I know there's like a Steph movie because uh, they showed it at the Cannes Film Festival, and I didn't hear anything else other than it was like a pretty fun movie. So is was this showing like? Uh, supposed to be just for public? Like, what was going on with the the, the showing oh, that man. you were looking for tickets? I just I saw an article on the Chronicle and I read it because it had Steph's picture on it, and I think they showed it at Sundance too. But it was just supposed to be some screening where there was one ticket package where you get the ticket, you get to watch the film at six thirty, and then go to like this exclusive party after. That was like a hundred bucks. I was like, I'm not doing that. There was a <laughs> then there was a um a ticket for like nine thirty. There was only two showings for like in some SF film festival that he was oh. going to show, and it was for some reason in Oakland. But he was yeah, he was just. You said something like it would interfere with the playoffs potentially. Well, I was just wondering because it's supposed to be the thirteenth of of April. April. Yeah, <laughs> and Ryan Coogler is the one who's supposed to present the movie. Who is he from? Is he is he the uh, Black Panther? Yeah, Panther? Creed, uh, Fruitvale oh, Creed Station. Too? Yeah, very cool. Oh, I totally want to go then. Um. Yeah, and uh, let's see. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I don't, I don't know anything, anything else. But I don't know anything about the movie, but he is not expected to attend. That is, that is the case. He's not supposed to be there. So, yeah, screening and party, pretty expensive, but just the movie uh, a, little, like a little bit bucks. cheaper. Yeah, thirty bucks. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out of market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. All right. 
So next thing on the list is, uh, I don't know, Steph and Clay saved their butts. I don't know what else to say. We we were watching Creed 3 on Saturday night, and then we ducked into a hole-in-the-wall place, a little brewery spot, and we watched the second half of Warriors Bucks, and the entire second half of the game that we watched they just continued to give up what was a double-digit lead all the way through until the end of regulation, and then they just blitzed them in overtime. Like they they actually got behind, and then Steph bailed them out with just I think they were down eight with like less than two minutes left, and then Steph just bailed them out. They go on to win that game thanks to Steph, and then yesterday against Phoenix, Clay just goes off for thirty-four in the first. He's he's like. I, I know he really respects Devin Booker, but something about Devin Booker makes him really mad. You disagreed with my theory in the beginning of the season. Do you remember what it was? Remind me. It was that I thought that Clay in um, 2017 was on the trajectory. If he wasn't, I'm trying to remember who the best shooting guards were at the time. It wasn't Devin Booker. You could argue probably like a Paul George. Um yeah, again, I'm not totally sure. But yeah, the shooting guard position, Clay was obviously like a top three player at. And then he goes down with the injury. And then while he's down, Devin Booker becomes like the best undisputed shooting guard in the league. And I'm, I was just wondering if like, you know, there was that was the beef that like, you know, now books the guy when it should have been Clay. That's what I thought, like kind of the under the under the mask stuff was telling me. But yeah, I, I remember you disagreeing with it. You and JJ both did not agree with it. We're just being disagreeable, man, because it was you. <laughs> do you think it has something to do with that at all then yeah i'm sure there's i'm sure there's something to that uh who do, who did clay call out in the post press conference he said uh book harden and derozan those are the three guys he named as far as matching up against some of the best twos in the league oh harden yeah harden was for sure the best at the time so the warriors seem to be so reliant on three-pointers and on making three-pointers. And when they make three-pointers, for whatever reason, it energizes them and their defense is a little bit better because they were making them uh, yesterday. Phoenix was missing all of their threes. And then you had guys like... uh, who who is it? Craig, who just was not... did not want to shoot. (laughs) It's like... Uh, Probably it was uh, Okogie, right? No, well, he was one, but there was the other dude, the, yeah, buff, the, the big duff buff dude. Yeah. yeah, he just didn't want to shoot. So it was like the book show, and Aiton, you know, Aiton could have probably just walked up to Looney and, and Draymond and just drop stepped into a post dunk or something every time, but he just loves that fadeaway. I was like, yep, keep taking it. That's fine with me because you could probably shoot 85% if you just posted these dudes up. And uh, yeah, and then the you know CP was I don't know, not to say that was the worst CP's ever played against the Warriors, but he was such a non-factor. Has he, he? I guess he has been like that a little bit more of late. But man, that's not the CP that I'm reminded of playing. And then Steph kind of flexes biceps on him near near the game at the <laughs> end. There he doesn't. Yeah, they, like I'm sure there's respect there, but Steph he like has memories of when CP was disrespecting him constantly early in his career. And he's okay. So, you know, if you have it, well, I don't know what I think it was 
or um, maybe you you probably know, but right when I saw it, like right when I saw that play of Steph muscling CP yeah. to the hoop, I immediately like immediate was like, oh, that's like the same corner as when Steph crossed him. Yeah. Double behind the back crossed yeah. him or whatever. And so that's what I thought Steph meant by like, this isn't 2014 anymore. I don't need to do these fancy dribble moves to get around you. I'm just going to go right through you. CP actually stayed with him in this one. He didn't like Steph's crazy. Didn't didn't cross. Steph had to actually force himself to the baseline. And what I thought it's not 2014 meant is that CP would just push him around. That's what I mm-hmm. thought he meant. It's, it's probably a lot of a lot of both. But I, that that one to me, just like I only thought that because right when I saw Steph in that corner against CP, I just thought that exact thing, that baseline behind the back, behind the back cross. One of Steph's greatest plays of all time. Did you see the I think it was a Twitter video of Steve Kerr talking about bad shots? Mm-mm. So there's another famous play. Against the Clippers. Oh, against the Clippers. Yeah, I know exactly which one. And he shoots that about. like weird at the top of the key. He's like runs in like a circle. Yeah. <laughs> like dribbles like low through people in a circle. So Steve Kerr said, and he's said this before years ago too. He said, you know, at that moment, what I learned is everything that I've been taught about what a bad shot is from Lute Olson, from Greg Popovich, from Phil Jackson. Steph takes this shot and my instinct is to say, that's a bad shot but it goes in. And so what I learned is that when Steph Curry takes a shot, there is no bad shot. So he just has to just be okay with, with those shots that he takes. I thought that was interesting. <laughs> that's the, that's what we, we need more people like Steve Kerr. We need more old folks like Steve Kerr in the world <laughs> that is able to change their opinion. So not, not to take this on a little bit of a downer, but obviously the, elephant in the room is the fact that Andrew Wiggins is still not back. Now you can go on Reddit and Twitter and you can find any sort of excuse or reason or dark alley reason as far as why he's, he's not back yet, but there's no concrete information. So there's nothing really for us to say, but they miss him for one. They, they, they really, really do miss him. And if uh, what, what I wonder is if the team themselves is are maybe left a little bit in the dark because I can't imagine they know if he's going like let's say that he's going to be out and he's not coming back this season. Don't you think Kerr needs to sort of finagle the rotation a little bit and go, okay, this is what we're going to have to go and and maybe he is, and I'm just not sure, but I would hope that they're just there's there's this like open slightly cracked open door where they're like we we still think we're going to get wigs back because man without him you, you know you're seeing just the inconsistency in, in the defense especially and in their ability to get two pointers now wiggins you know wiggins will blow dunks and all of a sudden go up for a layup and dribble the ball and the ball bangs off his knee he'll he'll do those things too but still there can be dependable moments where you're like, oh, we need a two, and then you see like a Wiggs floater, or you see like just all of a sudden Wiggs just sets a dunk on somebody, and they don't have that right now, especially with Kaminga now. Kaminga will come back, but then that's more, even more of a wild card of, is this dude going to dribble the ball or shoot or you know hit his head on the side of the backboard or something? Uh, they they just miss that consistency and his just constant pace uh, of his game, and it, I think you you you've told us before, like if he doesn't come back, like they have no chance. 
I think we've heard it from plus minus. I think we've all probably said it and thought it too, but it feels like, you know, they don't have their, what uh, Anthony Slater always refers to as their second best player in the playoffs. Like, yeah, that makes sense that they have no shot, you know? Um, but yeah, I still, I mean, it's just a home, it's such a Homer take, but I would, I feel, I still would feel semi-confident and, in them finding a way without him just because of the fact that what Clay Thompson was in last year's playoffs, you know, was like almost like a different player than what he is right now. I feel like he's, you know, still hot and cold sometimes, but at least I, I just feel like there's something in him that, that would uh, not necessarily replace what Wiggins did, but fill in for some of the missing spots, what Wiggins did in last year's playoff. Cause Clay was like pretty bad, right. In last year's playoffs. And, and this year he's, he's you know, had some career months. So, um, I would honestly like to see a lineup. I don't know if they've ever done it, but Steph, Clay, Draymond, Kaminga, DiVincenzo. I don't know if they've done that. Coming at the four? Coming at the four. I feel like they've had to have run that lineup out there at least once. But the thing is, when has Clay, uh, Dre, and Steph, you know, been on, how how, how much have they played together? Uh, especially when Kaminga started to find his way into the rotation and they started like DiVincenzo because Steph went down both those times. Yeah. Um, I could actually, again, I have cleaning the glass. I could 100% find this. (laughs) (laughs) And I could do that if you want to talk or something. But uh, I think, yeah, very easy to say. If they don't have Wiggins, their second best player in last year's playoffs, they have zero chance. But also, like, I'm just such a Kaminga guy. And I'm just such a, like, what Clay has has done this year. You get GP2 back. you You have a really, like... Steph looks like he hasn't skipped a beat from, you know, at all. It looks like he's maybe even like better. I don't, I don't know. But, you know, I think Kaminga has been testing some stuff in, in closing time and closing minutes, which is what they used to do with Jordan Poole. They just throw Jordan in at the end of the game and just be like, dude, just like go do whatever you want and go invent stuff. And I think they started doing that with Kaminga this year, win or lose. And Kaminga has been pulling out some like new shots that we don't see in the mid range. And it's like, that's what Wiggins does. Yeah. Like, <laughs> can you do a little bit of that? Okay. But. I guess in both cases, you're not super confident either shot goes in until they go in, right? For for Kaminga and Wiggins. Yeah, no, you're right. Because <laughs> because I I I may be more comfortable with Wiggins shooting it, but there are Those moments push shots he does in the in the. At the there are moments where he's like way off. <laughs> yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, I. This is something that we talked about. It was actually probably in our uh, in our. 2k discord about the idea that all of a sudden what you know kind of what fans or kind of what the other teams are worried about is playoff start and the warriors get everybody back the way that they want it and this is what happened last year where clay comes back Draymond gets hurt steph is hurt and and has to miss the beginning you know has to miss the end of the season and, and jordan Poole is playing heavy minutes minutes that were great for him and all of a sudden, Steph comes back in the beginning of the playoffs, and then they just go on this run. And so I think if I am other teams, I look at that and I go, oh, my God, not again, right? Wiggins comes back at the beginning of the playoffs. GP2 is healthy at the beginning of the playoffs. Kaminga's playing. They'll figure out whatever this Anthony Lamb, Ty Jerome thing is. And they just have everybody, Draymond, Clay, like everybody's just ready to go. That would be the perfect absolute scenario for Warriors fans. But I'm going to take it in a different way. I think it's a little bit of fool's gold. 
not only because we are just so unsure about Wiggins, GP, we think GP's coming back, but, you know, who who knows? My worry's really about Draymond, and I've just had this worry all year long about this guy's health. Right now, he's playing with a jacked-up finger. He had the calf thing. Uh, he's basically said... He rolled like, his ankle. He rolled his ankle. He, he Yeah, he rolled his ankle. I thought that I thought he was going to be done for, like, uh, KD, man. This is going to be done for weeks. And yet he continues to say, there's no tomorrow. Like, I have to keep playing. There's no time that we can rest. And it's like the opposite of load management when you're in a race for these these last uh, three playoff spots. So I would love for that to be the story. I think that's a great, like, romanticizing. It's a great thing. Like, oh, we can do this again. I'm just not sure how realistic it is. is does and it I also feel, feel like I'm a little confident because you look at what they're doing at what the West looks like. Like people like to say it's super competitive in those in those seeds, but you could also look at it as like they're just, just not that good. Yeah, they just keep losing. <laughs> like, yeah. Like I think, you know, you could you could put up you could bring up legitimate question marks about every single team out there. You know, Jokic, can a team led by a center who can't defend? Can they, the Warriors have beat them. Can they do it all? You look at the Sacramento Kings, a king, a team that hasn't been there. When's the last time a team that hasn't been there was able to win it all? Like had not touched the playoffs ever in their careers, except for a select few. And it wasn't the biggest guys and it wasn't as a unit, you know? So, and then you look at the third seed. It, what took, is it, Memphis? Steph, it took Steph and Clay and Draymond two years, right? They had to go through the year where they beat the Nuggets and then they lost to the Spurs. And then the next year they lost to the Clippers. Then the third year is when they took the leap. And that's not even talking about Sacramento's defense, which they're ranked like 27th in the league, led by Mike Brown, of all people. So and you look at the third seed, Memphis Grizzlies. We actually don't think John Morant's going to be back now, is what it sounds like. And when he comes back, like there's going to be an adjustment period. Can they just pick it off right where they right where they left off? The number four seed, the Phoenix Suns. Although I love Kevin Durant, I think he's one of the best players in the league. Can you, you know, just so easily go into, you know, what I think is the best roster with like Durant is a focal point of your team. He's the best player of your team. Your offense runs through him and Devin Booker. Can you just, you know, do it without any, um, without like the amount of time or, or cohesion cohesion is the word I'm looking for. Can you, you know, play with, with KD and you hadn't played with him basically the entire season and you're just going to do it in the playoffs. Like, yeah, he's probably the one player where it might, it probably would potentially work. But if there's a question mark, it's the idea that your best player, you haven't played with him this season. So, um, and you keep going at the Clippers, like they're just like sometimes butt cheeks. <laughs> but I I still like them. But, you know, that's kind of that's kind of the train you've been on earlier in the season. Like they haven't proven to you anything. And here they are again, like not really proving to anyone anything. Um, they have been a little better as of late. But and then you get to the Warriors. And it's like, tell me all those, all of those you know, potential negatives I just brought up about every single team doesn't give you more hope. Like this isn't a this isn't a year where there's a clear favor, and if it is, it's in the East. It's Milwaukee. Okay, but Denver's still forty six and twenty two. They're still, they've lost they, their last three or four in a row. They, they've to lost the Spurs. The, they've <laughs> lost their last three. But they are they. I, this has been like almost a coast to coast thing for them, right? As far as just being the top team in, in the league. You know what the most impressive thing about Sacramento is? They have the best road record in the Western Conference. 19 and 13. Even Denver is only 16 and 16 away from Denver. And then you have the Clippers 18 and 18. 
Uh, and the, those are the only good road records. Everybody else is under 500 on the road. And the Warriors are uh, third worst in the West with seven and 26. What is the seven and 26? Oh, my God. Okay, so here's another question, though, which is, why do the Grizzlies play so well without Ja? They've won three in a row. They've uh, jumped past the Kings again, back into that number two spot. The Warriors play them uh, uh, coming up pretty soon. We'll we'll look at the the road schedule for the Warriors. It's it's actually this Saturday, so it's so up and down, and it's Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, and it's KD getting injured when it seemed like the Suns were really going to take control and maybe even, you know, they would potentially have been my pick. Spot. Yeah, had he not gotten hurt, you know. So the the home records, Denver's number one at 30 and six. Grizzlies are number two at 28 and five. The Warriors are number three at 29 and seven, which to me makes it so important that they get to four, but I don't think they can get to four because getting to four means jumping, jumping over the Kings who are, uh, who, uh-uh. who, I'm sorry, the Suns jumping over the Suns. Who just lost to the Warriors? Who, who are a game and a, a game and a half over the Warriors right now? So mm, it's I don't possible. know. That they, they would but, have. But if if you could, if you told me they were able to play a first round matchup and have home court advantage, I would feel so good about their chances. Mm-hmm. But then every other round that they wouldn't have that advantage. So that that would be the negative. But depends on if there's an upset. Yeah, which there could um, be. There totally could be. This is the one year where it feels like kind of upsets in almost every single seed is possible. Yeah. Which again, I don't know if that says anything about how competitive it is in the West or just how bad, you know, like or how unimpressive everyone is. But um, yeah, I, I mean, you it, to me, you say one and a half games behind the Phoenix Suns who I don't know if they're on a two game losing streak. You know, I think they had Kings and Warriors. I don't know if that was a back two games in a row, but they lost both of those. And Suns have lost two in a row. So two in a row. So Kings, Warriors. So they're one and a half games back behind that team without Kevin Durant, who to acquire Kevin Durant, you had to get rid of the one guy who's probably the best on Stephen Curry out of anyone. Steph got rid of was his, so happy. He was so happy he didn't Bridges. have no Mikhail Bridges last night. Got rid of Cam Johnson, who is um, was amazing for that team, took Jay Crowder's spot, who then you got also got rid of Jay Crowder to get Kevin Durant, who's not playing. So that's here. I'm here to say that like their depth is like not good, especially without KD. Like it's totally possible you get in front of them until I come to my senses and say, "Oh man, we got a five game road trip." <laughs> that which we will we'll end the podcast with that talk. All right, just really quickly, the Anthony Lamb Ty Jerome scenario. So they let the they let the Lester Quinones Quinones uh, ten day expire, which means they only have fourteen, which means no Ty Jerome. And Anthony Lamb has already maxed out his possible games as a two-way. So they have to make a decision. And the decision seems to be pretty easy to me. Yeah, You sign Anthony Lamb, and that activates Ty Jerome for five games or whatever whatever the number is that he has left to, to play. But they're saving up this spot where they're just not paying for that 15th guy. And it's not counting against whatever the multiplier is on their, on their, uh, their dollar amount because of the luxury tax. Why is TK the only one that knows that? 
like I feel like that's like information that really no one except for Tim Kawakami knew, which is like, hey, every day they have their 15th guy rostered, like that costs them an X amount of money. So that's why they're not doing it because you know it saves them money literally every single day. Why yeah. is that not accessible accessible information to us? I don't think I don't think uh like I, I don't think the like the national the national broadcasters or whatever, they're not that dialed in, right? Like, yeah. no, like Slater, TK, Marcus, the way that they're dialed in. And some of these other beat writers, um, who, uh, Monty, Monty Poole, uh, and who's the, who's the guy for the Merc? Dalton something or other? Is oh, that, Dalton Johnson. Is he, is, a that, is that, is he Warriors? He's Warriors. I don't know if he's Mercury. But... Oh, maybe, maybe one of the newspapers. Like those, all of those folks know it. Um, but yeah, it's just not that big of a deal because championship teams don't really care about who their 15th guy is. It only matters because the Warriors need these players. Now, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of bring this all back around and say I mentioned earlier, Iguodala was getting the Lamb minutes. Great, you know, uh, Andre is very smart. He may not hit the threes. He's not he's not gonna hit the threes that Lamb hits, but he'll be better on the on the other side of the ball. Uh, Kaminga will get some of those minutes uh, as well. He, he won't be pulled out for Anthony Lamb here, like he 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 sometimes is. Bet greatest benefactor here of this whole scenario is Moses Moody. Moses Moody actually played yesterday against the Suns, and those were money minutes. Now the Warriors were up when he came in, so it's not like they. It's not like there was pressure on him to succeed or to, you know, the, the hit this shot or else you're coming out, buddy. There was none of that. But he was actually going to the hole. Now, it, he, he has a problem when he gets to the rim in that he either gets blocked or he blows it. But he had two. He had a finish, and then he had a, a one that went in and out, and he got to the free throw line, which looked really nice. Looked really nice. Looked really aggressive. He had an idea. He wasn't just jumping to jump. And I thought those were pretty good minutes, but that also seems to be a very an inconsistency in what he normally does for them. So I'm not sure what to make of that because that's not really his game. His game is to drill threes and you know be long on defense. But a lot of times when he's running the offense and he he just uh, they have to reset when he gets the basketball. Sometimes like oh I'm in the wrong spot. We got to reset and start all over. But do you think that Moses Moody, you know, the, whatever, how many games are left, 14 or whatever, you know, he's got a few games here where there's no Anthony Lamb to take his minutes. Maybe he can impress Steve and, and get some trust in playing because otherwise all he's doing is he's playing until until they decide on, on what to do with Anthony Lamb. Yeah, um, a couple of things there. I think... I think on plus minus they said that decision was coming within like two or three days. Okay, so, so sooner than that. Sooner. That's than what that. it sounded Later. like. That's what it sounded like. But also, um, I did. I texted you and Ben. I think it was yesterday. I, I pulled up to go get it because I said, like, I didn't say this, but I don't like to criticize like Steve Kerr that much, or like it doesn't feel right sometimes because he's just this like you know really credentialed coach with all these championships. But if there was one thing to criticize him about this year, for me at least, it's the it's the lack of like maybe playing the guys who you, you realize that, Hey, we are lacking in the division of scoring inside. 
Therefore, I'm not going to play the guys who are capable of scoring inside. That's where I like criticize them a little bit. So I said, like, I think Kerr needs to realize that he needs someone who can attack the hoop. And I said, honestly, the young guys attack pool, Kaminga, Moody, whatever you think about them, you know, like they attack the hoop. And I think that's valuable. And Moody was just attacking the hoop yesterday, mm-hmm. man. He was making me look right. So um, I'm, I'm hoping he can he can grab a couple. I'm, sh- I'm sure he'll play tomorrow in L.A. That would, I, I, yeah, I don't, I'd almost bet on him playing tomorrow, especially with no Iguodala and no Anthony Lamb. Um, and I hope he does it. I hope he attacks the hoop. Might be tougher to do it against that team, but I, I hope he, you know, gives it a shot because they need someone like that. And even though you're right, like we have seen him, uh, you know, the, the finishing hasn't looked as good this year. And that's honestly why he start, started getting those, racking up those DMPs to begin with is because he would drive and have nowhere to go. And Steve Kerr would consider that a turnover, which he's right in my book. Um, but I mean, we watched him in Santa Cruz, like try to dunk on people, you know, and remember Mac McClung blocked the shot. They called it a foul, (laughs) but then they reversed it because Mac McClung did block his shot, but he's fearless. He goes up and tries to dunk it. He, I think he had almost a potential dunk in, in Los Angeles last time they played the Clippers. So, um, like dunk on someone. So I I think, you know, and, and a couple of those putback dunks throughout the season, he did one in Detroit when we went and watched Warriors Detroit, he just had this like two hand, just caught it off the the back and just then put back he's athletic and i think they need to give that a shot more because i bet if you gave me one of those paint charts or the shot charts where it's all colored and like you know the green when it's all colored and all green that means they they take a good percentage of their shots there i'm sure if you looked in in the paint it's like it's like not as many um shots are taken and or shots made in the paint and i think moody can bring some of that and i think that's essential he might as be long more- as wigs isn't here he might be more long than he is actually athletic, but being long and being tall with long arms is is a helpful trait in the NBA. Mm-hmm. But I just think about someone like Norman Powell going like, oh, Moses Moody, <laughs> barbecue chicken. <laughs> like, I, I just see how, you know, some players just probably just want to go at him because they know his confidence is down. They know Kerr has been wishy-washy in you know, putting him in and taking him out. And and they probably can sense that, you know, maybe emotionally he's probably pretty frustrated, but I would love to see the guy play. Well, I don't know if it's in the cards for him to play. Well, this might be just a lost season for him, but it's probably where I side with too. But you know, part of the reason they drafted him where he did, where they did was because they thought that he had the pedigree and the mindset for this grind of, of professional basketball. So there's something there, you know, he, he just going to have to, find it and uh and, and make it you know he's gonna have to show some value there all right the last thing before we go i wanted to look at was just like you said this five game road trip so the warriors uh they play wednesday in la they, they did they beat the last time they beat the clippers was that in la or they lost in la and then they won in san francisco i think is what what happened right the L.A. game was like the game before the All-Star break. It was the one uh, Wiggins had an insane game against the Wizards. It looked like he was back. And then this issue came up where he missed that the Clippers game in L.A. because of this personal reason. And he hasn't been back since. Then the Atlanta Hawks, uh, the Hawks are kind of been stuttering all year long. They like Trey Trey tra- had a uh, a big game the other day. And they still lost by like 20 points to Minnesota. Uh, Memphis Grizzlies. Now this is the. Uh, the the same team that that beat them last time. They're going back to Memphis. Desmond Bain, kind of getting up for playing Clay. 
Dylan Brooks always gets up to to play Draymond instead. They better all get up for for Dylan Brooks now. Like if if there's someone who's painted themselves as someone that the Warriors should get up for, like that's that's where you know I think logic tells me that they're going to lose that game. But if I want to think about you know the Warriors might. They didn't like how that last one felt where, you know, with how Dylan Brooks was acting and how he was talking around the whole team. Like, you know, I'm wondering if they're they're going to bring put a little extra into that specific game because of Dylan Brooks. To me, Bain's going to get his. He's just a really good player. Dylan Brooks is a minus on offense, especially when uh, there's no jaw because he just shoots more. No Brandon Clark. Brandon Clark is hurt. Jaron Jackson, uh, he, he plays fairly well against Warriors, but he also fouls a lot against the Warriors. The guys who kill them, or at least killed them the last game, the shooters, Luke Kennard and Conchar, and then is the other guy, Aldama. Uh, Alda- Aldama. Those guys killed the Warriors because they can't guard the three-point line. <coughs> Excuse me. And like, how about, you know, Desmond's going to get his. He's a really good player. Let's stop those guys from just lighting us up. And so we have a chance. And like you said, I hope that they do. I hope they took that last one personally, because that was not a good look for them to to play the Grizzlies like that. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And they didn't have Kaminga last time. I don't know how much that changes, but I, I still think Kaminga is just trust them on basically anyone to guard, especially on that Memphis team. So. I did, by the way, look up that lineup. It's not happy. No. Um, Draymond Green, Kaminga. Jonathan Kaminga, Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, Dante DiVincenzo. Their effective field goal percentage is 56.4, which is like pretty good, I believe. Um, but apparently they're like a minus 26.6. Oh, wow. Which which I feel like could be a couple of things. Kaminga was not the player who he is in the beginning of the season. Let's How many minutes? In the beginning of the season. How many minutes so does that lineup play total? It's possessions. It's not minutes. Oh, they don't give me oh. minutes. They gave me 44 possessions. So that's not Which a lot. could be... It's not a lot. But yeah. I, don't, I don't know how much that is, though, in terms of minutes. Like, but, probably like half of a game all season long. Something like that. Maybe even less. Yeah, probably about half. Probably about half of two quarters there. Um, but yeah, you could say like, you know, Kaminga, maybe they tried that in the beginning of the season and Kaminga and DiVincenzo were just not in the, like where they are right now. You know, maybe lately they tried it and obviously the team needed time to mesh with Steph back. I still believe in it. It sounds good, right? A lot of guys who could switch with with a lot of offense. I think I think it would be, I think they should give that one a shot again. Um, but yeah, are we predicting the road trip? Well, they have two more games. Houston. Uh, that is next Monday. And, uh, then Dallas, who is also really struggling with Kyrie and Luca and injuries and, and all that. And so that's five games. And I do think we should predict. I know Clay thinks they're going five and no, I don't know. I don't know how he thinks that, but he believes that they're back. He believes that the road trip is, they're going to show that uh, they can play on the road. Uh, I'm not so sure about that. Uh, I'm gonna go. I think they. I think they win two out of four, and those two games are Atlanta and Houston. Isn't it five? I know, but this this oh. Dallas game that I'm conflicted about because I think I would have to see how because Kyrie's questionable. I think for his upcoming game, if it's no Kyrie and just Luca, if it's both of them, I'm not sure. If if there's a difference, because they're not playing well with both of those guys, but I'm gonna say two and two, and then depending on that that game against Dallas, probably two and three, 
but there's a chance for three and two. Yeah, I think I think if you want to, if I do my spiel that I did last week, where it's like, what what have they told us they'll do? You know, and you've done it prior, like oh five hundred or <laughs> you know, like I think what have they told us they'll do this season with this specific road trip? One and five, right? Like that's what they've told us throughout the season. One and four that they're just gonna you know hewed in and probably lose the rest. If you want to feel a little inspired and optimistic like myself, after these past couple games, two and four or two, two, two and three, three. Sorry, yeah, two and three. Um, but I feel like I feel like a three and two is in play potentially. I think you know the plus minus guys felt really good about the Dallas game. They felt really good about the Houston game. So that's already two right there. You don't feel as great about the Dallas game. I get it. Um, Kyrie, you know, tends to take those ones more seriously against the Warriors and he, then Lucas just always been... really well against the Warriors offensively for sure. Coming yeah. home though, their Philly is, is is the next game. So next Friday is Philly coming in. Then Timberwolves who are right there, right behind them, Pelicans are right there right behind them and then they need, to, they need to blow the doors off the Spurs. And then that takes us through the end of March. So the next nine games, five away, and then you come back for four at home. And then after that, it's away, home, away, away to end the season. Mm. This is it. This is who they are. They're going to have to show us. Yeah. If, if Okay. We should just say it right now, or I should say it, because I think you you probably already believe this, but if we're going into the like road trips or just the next, like, let's predict our next five, five games. And we're going into it with this same mindset come April of like, oh, we're not totally sure. They're done. <laughs> like, we could just say, I'll stop it. I'll stop it. They're done. For them but, to go 500 for the rest of the season, they're going to have to win a road game or two. So five, six, seven road games and five home games. Uh, to end the season. So there's only 12 games left. Holy cow. Jeez. That's that's nuts. Um, so yeah, so they're going to have to win some home games to reverse this trend and to actually make sure that they're going to be 500. To, and, if, and if they're 500, that would take their record, uh, if, if they're 500, to, let's see. Uh, that would take their record to what forty two and forty, I think, something like that. Disgusting. Yeah. So, isn't that what they went in the twenty twenty one season, twenty 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 one season? I uh, know. I think they were forty three and thirty nine. Yeah, because there's only seventy one games. Eighty two games. Oh, 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 right, 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 right. You no, know, no, no. You're right. It was like thirty nine and thirty three. I think was was the record. Yeah, it's it'd be so if the, if that is the record, like make it look like really inspiring that it was the games you lost were against the really good teams and you barely lost them. <laughs> so actually, I'm off. They have 13 games left, not 12. So yeah, okay. So they they would have to go 500 to to be. You can't go 513 games, but seven and six to to finish the season seven and six. They would be at forty three and thirty nine. So I mean, that's kind of what they have to do. Forty three and thirty nine probably has them in the number five spot. Right? Yeah. So that that that's where they need to be. All right. 
Um, that is it from here. We will be back next week. Uh, we'll see what happens with uh, with We Want Winners because I'm sure Rod's going to want to talk about all this, all the news that the Niners have, have, all the pickups and all the free agencies, all the players that they lost. Jimmy G to the Raiders. Ooh, Jimmy G's going to be tearing up Vegas, man. Uh, all right, Nate, what's uh, what's coming up on the BAM? Uh, I did a podcast with a guy on Twitter at Brado NBA. Um, he's a he's a Rockets guy. He's around my age too, so it was it was fun a fun conversation. Uh, that's that's the latest and greatest there, but it was good. You guys, whoever can check it out. Rockets talk. Rockets talk. Did you ask him about my guy Jabari? Jabari, yeah, yeah, we had a full conversation about Jabari. Speaking of Jabari, the dude went off last night yeah. against the Celtics. He yeah. had he they the Rockets beat the Celtics. If we were like, oh yeah, the Rockets is an easy game, easy gimme game, they just beat the Celtics. <laughs> and they put they finally started trying Jabari Smith Jr. at small ball five, and it like did really well. There you go. Yeah, he see he he's still like I feel like he's they don't talk about him as much. Um as as they talk about some of the other rookies, so I because he, he doesn't like he doesn't create what we kind of came to the conclusion of is like he's 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 almost like a not necessarily an apples to apples comparison because of how this player has been lately, but like prior to the start of the season, I comped him to like a Mikel Bridges in the sense of like a three and D guy who you know at best will be a third best player on a championship team. That's his ceiling, right? And obviously, Mikel has done some stuff where he is now doing shot creation in Brooklyn, and it like looks really good. But with Jabari, it's just going to be catch and shoot, one dribble, pull up, fade away from the mid range. That's how he's getting his offense. He's not necessarily breaking down a defender. And I feel like the guys that get talked about, the Palos, the Jadens, uh, the Jalen, the J does, like those can like hit their bucket pretty efficiently too. Who would you rather have, him or Keegan? Depends on who I am. No, who you? You are you're you. No, I'm not me. <laughs> I got to be a team. I've got to be a team here. If I'm the Kings, I'd rather have Keegan. If Which, I'm the Warriors, I'd rather have Keegan. If I'm any other team that has a contending shot, I'd pick Keegan. If I was anyone else who didn't have contention plans, I'd pick Jabari. Okay. If you're if you're building a team from scratch, who do you Jabari. Pick? Okay. There you go. All right. That's it from here. We will talk to y'all next week. For Bry, I'm Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out. Are you struggling to lose weight and keep it off? Tired of wasting time and money on starvation diets that lead to more frustration and stress? If there was a weight loss solution that could actually work for you, would you try it? Then head to golo.com. I'm Steve. I lost 138 pounds in nine months on Golo. I'm Amber. I've lost 128 pounds with Golo taking release. If you're ready to take back control of your life, head to golo.com now and see how Golo can work for you. That's G-O-L-O.com. My sleep is way better. My inflammation has gone way down. Golo saved my life. I was way overweight. That's what sent me down the path. I wanted to make sure and live for my kid. I have literally tried everything. I was on the verge of getting gastric bypass surgery, and I saw the Golo commercial, and it was the last thing I tried because it worked. Join over 2 million people who have found a better way to lose weight with Golo. Your healthier and happier life begins at golo.com. That's G-O-L-O dot com. Again, G-O-L-O dot com.